This is my, um, so in my spare time, I uh, take photographs. And here's a couple of those photographs. And this is my camera bag. It's seen better days, but that's a good sign because it means the stuff that it carries is, uh, is kept well. And the other day, I um, took it out and I went to pick it up and it weighed the heaviest it's ever weighed. Not a word of a lie, it felt like I was picking up Zari. And then and it was, it's just a bit more lumpy when you put it on your back. She's much easier to hold than this was as I slung it on my back. And I was reminded of a dynamic that happens in the photography world where lots of photographers, they aim to carry as little weight as possible. So as light a bag as possible. And so Dale is a master at this. We go out with Dale and I take this and he takes something the size of my phone. Like, no, not quite that bad, but it's quite remarkable. Um, and so a lot of gear is made light. And the idea is because when you go out, you want lots of options. And the lighter your gear means the less options you have. So it's this constant tension. Now, you choose your gear. Your gear suits your style, suits the photographs you're going to take and the ch adventure you are going to go on. And this holds what you believe you need. If we were in Jesus' time, so take about 2,000 years ago, and I realize they didn't have cameras back then. But they would look at this that we are holding, and you know what they would call it? They would call it a yoke. A yoke. It's my belief of what I need to achieve what I'm going to achieve. It would be a yoke that we would carry around, much like a, a, um, a cattle is yoked in a, in a similar way. We, we yoke, we take on a yoke. Your yoke, yoke is the culmination of your beliefs, and your values, and your worldview. And you carry that around all the time, and you engage with the world around you all the time. It's a biblical word. If you haven't heard much of it before, you think that's a little bit strange, it's very much a biblical word. And we each have a yoke. We each have one. Every single person here, and every single person who's not here in the world, we all have a yoke. We carry around our beliefs, and our values, and our worldview, and sometimes that can feel very heavy. Sometimes our yoke can become exhausting and tiresome and hard to satisfy, burdensome to walk through life with. For Jesus, his yoke was very easy and his burden was very light because it compromised of two things and two things only to love God and to love people it's what Jesus was about it's why his life was free of burden because he's like the only two things I'm ever going to do are these two things end of story and he carried it everywhere he carried his yoke love people love God everywhere he went into every situation it defined him because yokes define us now, in our story today that Sandra read before, we've got a number of yokes happening, a number of belief systems kind of colliding with each other. The Pharisees, for example. Pharisees are an interesting bunch, aren't they? One Sabbath, it starts. The Sabbath was the Jewish day of rest. So it was understood that you didn't do anything on the Sabbath ever. It was very broad terms that you needed to keep the Sabbath 
holy. And to do anything was against the law, not the legal law, but against the Jewish law. So one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. He was walking. We're not even sure if you're allowed to walk on the Sabbath. And they began, and he and his disciples walked along and they began to pick some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Which means the Pharisees were either hanging out with Jesus while he was doing it, which is really interesting, or they were spying on him. They were following him around, waiting for him to trip up. Either way, they were not happy that the disciples were obviously had an inability to do what was right. They weren't following the law, and as the moral police of the day, the Pharisees were onto them. And we see their yoke. We see the yoke of the Pharisees it was to criticize, was to judge, to niggle, to devalue, to discredit everything. They weren't trying to love God and love others. They were trying to satisfy the law. And Jewish law said, keep the Sabbath day holy. It was one of the very first commandments. It was in the original 10. That's how important it was. Keep the Sabbath day holy. And each sect of Judaism then took on the responsibility to interpret just what this means. What does it mean to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? And so the Essenes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the teachers of the law and the rabbis, they all had different opinions of what it meant to keep the Sabbath holy. They all had different yokes of what it meant to rest. All of them didn't want the law to be broken because good Jews do not break the law. So they developed this yoke to do this, a set of beliefs that if you follow, if you take on that yoke, you would finally fulfill the law, you wouldn't break the law, and you'd be good with God. But often what happened is people started worshipping their yokes. They were so proud of their yokes. They were like, oh, look at my yoke. Look at my beliefs. Look at how righteous I am and how good I am. And when they started thinking like that, they started worshipping their yoke rather than worshipping God. So the Pharisees said, it's unlawful to pick grain on the Sabbath. That was their yoke around rest. They had all sorts of other opinions about everything else. But today when we're talking about rest, that was it. You can't do that. It's a day of rest. So they called Jesus to task for not following their yoke. Not the law, but their understanding of the law. Now, we'd never do that, would we? Like in this day and age. Thank goodness that, that behavior was back then, right? We would never think and look at somebody and go, yeah, just the way you're living, <laughs> you should live like me, and then you'd have it all together. We wouldn't, we wouldn't do that, would we? We wouldn't say, like, this is the way I know how to do it, and it's really good, and, and you need to change some things to get like me. We all, we all have glimpses of that spirit in us. That was a pharisaical yoke concerning the Sabbath. When you rest, they would say, you need to be very legalistic about it. Who's excited about legalistic rest? Oh, put more rules on my rest, please. Like, no one ever. So Jesus cites a, prince, a, a, a precedent, a princess. <laughs> and there's this lovely princess one day. No, 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 Jesus didn't do that. Jesus cites this precedent, and the precedent is in 1 Samuel chapter 21. But the story today, see, he paraphrases the story. He says, have you, have you never read... 
what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? Now, he knew that they'd read it. It wasn't like a comprehension question. He's like, I know you know what it says. Let's talk about that. Because in doing that, it shines a big spotlight on the fact that their yoke is not complete. Their yoke is, is not helpful. It has cracks in it that Jesus wants them to see. This is in the, in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, they entered the house of God and they ate the consecrated bread, which was unlawful, right, for the priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Like he went <laughs> well overboard. Well overboard. What are you going to do about him? Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. Jesus reminds everybody that the Sabbath, the day of rest, it sits in the scheme of things that God actually gave the Sabbath. The Lord didn't give the Sabbath. God gave the Sabbath. God gave rest to help us, not to hinder us. To make life better, not to make life worse or more hard. But your yoke, just like the Pharisees' yoke, it can devalue rest if we're not careful. Your yoke, your system of looking at the world can devalue rest. You can strip rest of its power and its value. You see, the Pharisees, their yoke was exhausting them. That's why all of their interactions with Jesus are negative. Other than Nicodemus, they're all negative because they're just mad. But your yoke, the yoke you carry, determines if and how we can rest. Your yoke determines if and how we can rest. The yoke of the Pharisees was to worship the law. The irony being, because they were worshipping the law, they couldn't actually rest. So in trying to tell everybody else to rest, they weren't resting. God's rest will evade you when you live trying to satisfy the law. Because there's always more to satisfy. So when I was in my mid-twenties, I found myself in front of a psychotherapist. It wasn't like a great day that day. It was my first session and I'd already tried a number of excuses to get out of it. One of those excuses, which was very successful, was I'm too sick to come. I was actually feeling sick about the idea of going. My other excuse was something's come up. The thing that had come up was the fact that I didn't want to go to that session. And so I, I, I'd run out of excuses and, and, and my psychotherapist was extremely gracious and patient and understanding. And so she gave me another go, another appointment. So I sat there for an extremely painful hour to reflect on things I did not want to reflect on in any way, shape, or form. But they were things that had prevented me from learning how to rest, for learning how to restore myself. And so I was in this space of burnout was there and what did that mean and how was it working? And so she said to me at the end of the first session of just being like panel beaten spiritually and internally, it was dreadful. At the end of that, she said, if you stick with it, this will change your life. If you run from it, you'll be running forever. Oh, that's not good. The thing is, when you run from something forever, you can never rest. You can never find peace. You just don't rest, and everything starts to break down in your life. You start to break down, and then your life starts to break down. And God 
comes true on his promise in the 23rd Psalm. You know that beautiful 23rd Psalm that we all love, where, where God says, I will make you lie down. You've heard that before? I will make you lie down. We go, oh, in green pastures. And like God's like, <laughs> I will make you lie down if you are not resting. So I dared to come back. I dared to go back a second week. By the third week, I was quite enjoying it. I brought a book, like a notebook, and she laughed at me. She's like, what are you doing with that? I'm, like, I'm going to write down all the things because last week was amazing. I got so much out of it. I'm going to write down all the insights. And she's like, you don't need to do that. You don't even need to remember what we're talking about. As we talk, you will be transformed. If you stick with this, I'm like, I'm keen. I'm keen to stick with it. By week six, I was done. She was done. The process was done. And I was transformed because she'd helped give me a yoke transplant. My yoke had been taken away and a new yoke was now sitting on me. You see, the reason I'd gone to see her was that I was not mentally coping with the pressures that were on me because I wasn't resting well and I wasn't looking after myself. I found my value too much in work, how my work was determined on how I felt about myself as a human. And I wasn't strong enough to sustain that yoke. It was just too big and too heavy. I needed a new yoke. And Jesus says, well, come to me. All who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus' yoke is the easiest and the lightest yoke to carry. We often live thinking, I, I don't even have a yoke. My yoke's not too bad. But Jesus is, if we are not carrying around Jesus' yoke, we are getting ripped off. So on Monday morning, as I'm walking out to work, Haim stops me. He's six. And he says, um, he says Dad, why do you go to work? And he's asked that a few times over the years, and clearly I've not been convincing enough in my answer. And so it took a moment to think, and I thought, all right, actually, why do I? What are the real reasons I actually go to work? And I said to him, I work to worship God. I said, I work because that's what God has asked me to do. I work because of the joy, I work because of the joy it gives me. And I work to make sure that you guys are looked after. I think those things are maybe what Jesus' yoke sort of looks like. And after sharing that with him, every so often he has this very serious, deep spirituality about him. <laughs> every so often, a lot of the time. And he, he sort of reserves for these, these significant holy moments. And he pauses and he goes, hmm... I think that's good, Dad. I think you should go to work. Thank you. I'm good. I'm going to go now. It's like being in the presence of a rabbi, except he's like this high. Gosh. Now, here's why I share this, because this is so helpful. Let me show you if you know whether you're carrying Jesus' yoke around. The reason you work is interchangeable with the reason you rest. The reason you work has to be interchangeable with the reason 
you rest. So let me show you. I rest to worship God. I rest because that's what God has asked me to do. I rest because of the joy it gives me. I rest to make sure you guys are looked after. The reason you work needs to be interchangeable with the reason you rest. When I rest to worship God, I really rest. And when I rest because that's what God has asked me to do, there is a sense of deep rest about that. When I rest because of the joy it gives me, I will rest. And when I rest to make sure you guys are looked after, I will rest. Well, let's say you're carrying around a yoke that's not from Jesus. I work to make money. You can't rest to make money. I work to prove my worth, but you don't rest <laughs> to prove your work, worth. I work to make a difference in the world, well, you don't rest to make a difference in the world. The yoke you hold will determine if and when you rest, and rest is vital. So what is your yoke? What is the why behind your working and your resting? And can you interchange those two? After outlining the shakiness of the Pharisees' um, yoke, Jesus says these words, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. You shouldn't work on how you rest. You should rest because you've worked. Rest is a reward from God for working hard. Rest is a deep need that you have that God gives you to value. And if you're here today and you have a desperate need to rest, it's because your yoke isn't the right yoke. Or you've got a newborn baby in the house. That's the other exception to the rule. In the past, people have said to me, it's, it's, it's quite interesting, uh, over the years, it's been nearly 20 years now, they say, in jest, they say, you only work one day a week. And when you work, it's really only one hour a week, isn't it? And I say, well, actually, if you boil it down, it's more like 20 minutes. And what I used to say, it doesn't work now, I used to say, and it takes four people to carry my salary down the front when we do the offering. We don't do our offering like that anymore, but that's what I used to say. Or they'd see me working when I'm engaged with them and just assume that, well, when I'm not with them, that I wasn't working. Or, or they'd see me um, not working in the times when they would expect me to work. And so therefore would assume that I wasn't working. And what they were actually saying is you're resting too much. I never ever felt like I've rested too much in my whole life. They also say, you're working too hard. You're too busy, which always confused me. I'm like, hang on, am I resting too much or am I working too much? Where are we at? But what's happening is people were trying to put their yoke on me. That was what was happening. They were taking their framework and putting that on me. You remember Jesus' words? So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus is gathering both work and rest under his lordship. He is saying healthy disciples, they work hard and they rest well. He's saying someone who lives with Jesus as Lord of their life will worship him both through work and through rest. 
And Jesus refuses to live under the weight of the yoke that others are putting on him. If you exchange your yoke for Jesus' yoke, love God and love people, Jesus will become Lord of all of your life. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So the question is today, will you accept Jesus' yoke? Will you put yours down and take his up? When I sat in the psychotherapist's office, I realized that I was carrying around a yoke that was more about pleasing my dad and proving my worth to my dad than anything else, not to Jesus. Dad had the strongest work ethic of anyone I've ever met. He worked and worked and worked. He's still with us and he still finds things to do. He retired from full-time executive management to become a full-time courier driver that still worked more than 40 hours a week and did stuff in the community. He was an absolute workaholic. He only actually had time for a nap, on, for an afternoon nap on Christmas Day. That was it. It's the only time I ever saw him just kick back and relax. So I grew up interpreting that meant, well, for me to be loved by Dad, I've got to work hard. I keep on working hard, and I started to chase this thing. I started to chase this thing, and I worked so hard to prove my worth to Dad. And when you do that, there is no time to rest, but you can never actually achieve what you're chasing after. That's a yoke. Our yoke can be a ruthless taskmaster. But remember Jesus' words. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and I am humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls, your very souls. Jesus' yoke is gentle on us. You have nothing to fear by going to Jesus and saying, sorry, I want your yoke. He is gentle and it's humble. It's not actually about us or anything we want to achieve. But we cannot take on Jesus' yoke without laying down our own yoke. The Bible calls that process repentance. God, I don't want this anymore. I want what you have. And some of you are tired. Tired of the long years. Tired of how brutal life has been. Tired of serving too much, whether in the church or the community. Tired of working too much. Tired of how the kids make you feel. Tired of work or because of work. Tired of managing conflicts in your lives. Tired of all the issues going on and you hear this morning your soul is screaming, I want that, Jesus, I want that. And today Jesus says to you, come to me. Those of you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. For I am gentle, I am humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. He's giving you a new yoke. He's inviting you to learn how to live with it. And I want to pray for those of you who need that this morning. So as we move into a time of communion, let's pray. Drink of this cup and be thankful for Christ's sacrifice. Lord, we treasure this silent, 
restful and holy moment of sitting with you, of being ministered to you by your body and by your blood, that you would feed our hunger for you, you would satisfy our thirst for you. And from this meal, we would know your transforming power. And so continue to transform us, that as we go from this place, we might carry how we have connected and met with you and experienced you in this time and carry that to others who do not yet know you, that they might be enriched and blessed and brought into your kingdom as a result of your witness to us today. We ask these things in your powerful and almighty name. And everybody agreed and said, Amen.